So, ma'am, what seems to be the problem? Uh, so I came here really for relationship advice. I'm, I'm currently in a relationship and it's just, it's really, really not going well with this guy. Yes. And, w and why is that? Well, there's a lot of things. Uh, it seems to be that he he's very heteronormative. He's extremely patriarchal. We're actually moving. I decided to move in with him, and I was moving stuff from my apartment, right? And these boxes were, were somewhat heavy, whatever. But he came over, and he said, these boxes are too heavy for you to pick up. Let me do it. And I was just dumbfounded. I couldn't believe he said that. Well, were you able to pick up the boxes by yourself? I'm sure I could have. He didn't even give me the chance to do it. He just said, you know, honey, I don't want to put you through that strain. Let me do it. Right. He sounds like he's just trying to help you. Do you <laughs> do you think this is coming from a place of your own insecurity? No, I don't think that at all. It always seems like he's just trying to help me. When we go to restaurants, he says, honey, uh, I, f I feel like you're not making enough money right now. Let me pay for your food. When we go to doors, he tries to open the door for me. It is getting extremely irritating. Mm-hmm. What's your favorite show on television? I don't know. Maybe Euphoria or something. The View? <laughs> Big View fan? No, I'm not. I mean, sometimes Whoopi Goldberg's kind of cool. No, you kind of look like Whoopi Goldberg, but younger. So Thank you. Um, yeah, you're welcome. Um, I'm going to diagnose you with an uh, extreme case of feminism. And there aren't any pills for that. But what you can do is work on yourself and try and get over that. I feel like this therapy session is not helpful at all. Thank you. Next. <laughs> Next. Intern Tyler, please come in for your therapy. And scene, ladies and gentlemen. Now, we did this opening because I came across a ridiculous TikTok out of libs of TikTok. We talk about this Twitter feed all of the time. Uh, without further ado, let's just get right into it so that you can hear sort of all the issues that come along with men and women dating each other and how patriarchal they are. This is probably gonna piss off a lot of people. But a relationship between a man and a woman is inherently unequal. And that goes for any relationship where someone is deciding to date their oppressor. Just like all white people have racism brainwashed into them, all males have misogyny brainwashed into them. And any male who claims not to be a misogynist is a misogynist. Because a self-aware man knows that he has it brainwashed into him. And any time that a woman decides to be in a relationship with a man, she's making a sacrifice and a commitment knowing that she's dating her oppressor. Okay, let's pause really quick. Will, how do you feel about this? How do you feel that you are inherently patriarchal and you're inherently oppressing any woman that you come across? I'm, I'm going to be honest. I feel more like I get oppressed in my relationship. Oh, really? Uh -huh. Explain, please explain. No, I'm joking. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm probably the oppressor. You don't want to step into the hot water. Yeah, I don't want to. You guys don't need to know about my relationship. <laughs> but what I will say is that this woman is pretty insane for saying something along these lines. That two people, a man and a woman, can't just come together and be in love. And that one has to be a power dynamic of a male overtaking a female and saying, I am the dominant person above you. And that seems like a strange way to look at the world. Like, you don't think a man can love you and cherish you just because... He was born a man. Why can he not do that? 
Right. It makes absolutely no sense. And she makes the comparison of what we do with white people now saying that because you're born white, you're inherently born with privilege and racism and unconscious bias. And now as a man, apparently you have that unconscious bias towards women and you need to acknowledge that and work on that as much as you can. So I don't know how that affects your relationship. Maybe you don't open doors for your woman anymore. You don't do anything for her anymore because she can do everything for herself. And, and you're pressing her by thinking that you can. I don't know what the logic is behind it because it seems completely devoid of logic well one thing this lady who's in this video if you can take a look at her tyler uh -huh. let's look she has a crystal around her neck and you know that means trouble <laughs> these girls who have crystals and like are burning sage everywhere you know they're uh. probably not the people who you want to take relationship advice from and then secondly why on earth would she ever date anyone anyway this is this is the type of language that women who can't get dates say <laughs> if, if you can't get a good man or because you are too stuck up or whatever to get a good man, then they blame it on the patriarchy and that's why they've had bad relationships. When in reality, it's her fault. She's probably been a terrible person in relationships. Wow. Are you really a therapist, Will? I am really a therapist. The deductive reasoning see. is just so keen. That is exactly the truth. People will take their problems and project them on the world and say, oh, it's not my fault. It's the world's fault why relationships are so bad because men right. are so oppressive. Right. It's like maybe instead of nagging him about doing the dishes, you should just do the dishes. <laughs> I love all the different conclusions you're coming to with this young lady. But no, I do think that's right. I do think it is sort of a projection of insecurity and that the same thing goes for the whole uh, racism narrative. And it's because you're you're not successful in your own life and you, you feel as though you will never be. And the best and easiest route out of that is to blame the institutions around you, to blame the people around you. So if you're not in a relationship or you've had failing relationships in the past, the easiest route out of that is to blame the institution itself. 100%. Let's finish this up and see what she says. Almost all women have sexual trauma and emotional abuse trauma, literally just from society. And she's taking a risk in being with you and making a commitment to help you undo your brainwashing. Now, of course, I'm not saying that people shouldn't date the opposite gender, but a lack of awareness can cause problems. Oh, goodness. Women, women watching, okay? Women, you better be ready to get into a relationship because you will be oppressed. You are essentially shackling yourself to going on plantations because that's what it's like dating a man. Apparently, you need to do a risk assessment. It's like this guy is standing in front of you. He's like, I love you so much. And he's playing the boom box and he's got your, your jewels and he's opening doors for you and he's buying you all this stuff and treating you right. And you go, well... I have to really see about this commitment. Mm -hmm. This is I really need to go over the risk assessment on this one because I'm signing myself up for oppression. Mm -hmm. I God. will do anything for you, okay? I promise I'll do anything. I love you. <laughs> uh, well, could you not be a man? Could you not oppress me? That's what the delusion. And you know she's looking at this through the lens of westernized relationships and American relationships. Imagine her in Afghanistan or somewhere where actual patriarchy is present, where it's actually men ruling over women, choosing their wives, paying for their wives, and then subjugating them. Imagine how, how she would feel about that in comparison to what she's talking about now. Well, that's the religion of peace. So I think she would be all about it, for being honest. It's all about tolerance. It's all about tolerance and choosing tolerance based on total hypocrisy, according to the left. That's right. how it works. So you don't have to have any sort of real standard for choosing these things. We were doing, Amal and I got interviewed for this documentary 
what a week ago, something like that, yeah, a week yeah. ago, Last about week. cancel culture, among other things. And one of the main questions that they asked me, I don't know if they asked you about this, but was about just hypocrisy on the left. Did they ask you that? I don't know. You don't know? I don't think so. You would have remembered. Yeah. They must not have asked you. No, I think they asked me a different line of questioning. Okay, fine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, they asked me about hypocrisy, and it was really interesting because I hadn't totally thought about it. But obviously, we know that when looking at the news and the mainstream media, that the left are incredibly hypocritical. But why are they so hypocritical? Why mm. can something happen in the world that totally is against, you know, the things they're supposed to believe, but then they're totally fine with it? Mm -hmm. But then something else, they're like totally against it. Why is it that the left is so hypocritical? And I think that there's a lack of, when we talked about that mass psychosis video before and went over that, it's like people have been so duped and brainwashed by every single institution around them that they are incredibly hypocritical because instead of looking at truth or anything that could actually threaten their ideals they say i'm just going to disregard that yeah that's very true i find that on the left once you have subscribed to a certain opinion if you move from that uh, opinion you're out you're you're done for it's not there's no going back from that so you either have to you know accept that as your opinion and and put on blinders for everything that falls outside of that or you have to leave the left and a lot of people are not willing to do that because to do so would be to admit that everything you've ever known is wrong so uh it's a recipe for disaster it, it is. is don't be a hypocrite that's one of the worst things it's like it's like people telling you a certain politician telling you that you can't you can't go get your hair cut but then they go to a salon during the lockdown and get their haircut or saying you can't eat indoors without a mask on and then go to a certain restaurant called French Laundry and have a, re a meeting and eat right. with their masks off with all their good homies. But who would ever do that, Will? Well, who only would ever do a, such a, thing? a psycho yeah. who actually doesn't care about the people they govern. Yeah. But I don't know any of those. Yeah. I, you know, politicians, they're such good people. I they? can't even they're imagine. Amazing. No, they're great people. <laughs> they're great people. Now, we have a bunch of stories that we're going to cover today. We're going to get into the American service dogs that were left in Afghanistan. We're going to talk about Mike Richards being fired off of Jeopardy. And we're going to talk about a breaking news story out of Project Veritas. But first, we have a special guest on the show by the name of Richard Lim. Hello, Richard. Hello. Good to be here. Hi, Richard. Richard just had to awkwardly hear us talk about this other story without chiming in. I bet he had some great points. Yes. And he didn't say anything. You could have said something, Richard. They're, I'll take them to the grave. Okay. Yeah, yeah. But they were so good and witty. Uh-huh. Yeah. The things that were going on in Richard's mind. Right, were, right. You could fill another book with that. Which is, you could also buy my book, uh, How to Win Friends and Influence Enemies. You can pre-order on Amazon now. Anyway, such a smooth plug. Why? Nice. why okay, Amla, tell us why Richard is here. Sure. Today. Well, first, Richard, can you explain your role here at PragerU and, and what you're up to these days? Yeah. So uh, our boss, Marissa, made it very clear. So she said one of her nightmares is to wake up one day and find out that something that we produced, published, uploaded, whatever, that was seen by millions of people is totally wrong mm -hmm. and our credibility is will be like flushed down the toilet right and uh now that i'm here if that ever happens it would be my fault so oh, my job wow. is to make sure that that never happens okay. so yeah. well you should be in you should be in the room on this show every, <laughs> every single day oh we do a lot of stupid stuff that shouldn't happen i think well <laughs> you know it's funny because um it, you, you get hired to do the fact checking and obviously they're, they're 
are going to be things that I do know, being a huge nerd, but then there are many more things that I don't know. And, you right. know, people will ask, oh, what, what, what you know, who's, who is Louis XIV's fifth cousin's dentist, you know, uh-huh. and as if it's like, oh, yeah, it, uh, Jean, yeah. you know, <laughs> like, yeah, it's him. So, Jean de Dentist. Yeah, yeah. So, so <laughs> you, you do your best and you sound as confident as you can and you just, you know, trust that. Hopefully it's true. Yeah. So, well, that's what yeah. the left does. The left says, "Okay, I don't need to have truth. I can just say I just this confidence. very loudly." Yeah. 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 I just need confidence. Sixteen nineteen is when America was founded. <laughs> but Richard, I I don't know. Maybe you are a nerd. I I don't think I know you well enough to say so. But that's <laughs> nice of you to say. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. No, but hyper nerd. But yeah. Well, one yeah, thing yeah. that I know you know about is history, and you have your own podcast about history. And so something interesting happened to you the other day, and that's why we brought Richard on today to talk about this. Right. Let us know, tell the audience about what happened. Yeah. So uh, you mentioned my podcast. So shameless plug: This American President. Check it out. Um, cool. uh, basically, uh, I so I go on other people's podcasts, and other people go on my podcast and we were supposed to have someone on our podcast uh or i'm sorry we were i was supposed to be on another person's podcast and basically talk about presidential history talk about myths there are a lot of myths out there that are not true about presidents and uh, basically that every liberal president was great and every conservative president was terrible Mm -hmm. one of the biggest myths but anyways with that said we had worked this out for months a lot of emailing back and forth about you know getting me on and whatnot and I was supposed to be on the show last week. I think it was Thursday morning at 7 a.m., which mm-hmm. is early for me. So mm-hmm. just throwing that out there. So <laughs> I prepared. I got up. And he's on the East Coast time. So he had emailed while I was asleep. And apparently two hours, bef- less than two hours before I was supposed to go, after months, he says, oh, does Richard? He emailed my producer, my friend. I call him my producer. Yeah. My wife right. says no, his, I, his name's Michael. Yeah. <laughs> Listen, I do the same thing. That's yeah, weird. exactly. Yeah. Yeah. But anyways, uh, he said, does Richard work for PragerU? You know, mm-hmm. and then, my, you know, my producer was like, uh, yes. And then he's like, I can't have him on. I just, I, you know, not comfortable with having him uh. on. Did, you know, probably... Didn't he didn't indicate anything about my actual views? Right. right. He just said I have serious issues with PragerU. Uh-huh. Can't have him on. And so and did so, you respond to this? Yes. So there was a little bit of back and forth, and my producer said, "Well, you know, he he works at PragerU. His podcasts are that those are his own views. Blah blah blah." And then he said, "Sorry, I'm I'm just not ready to have him on." And then. I, there was this back and forth, and my producer wrote, well, that's very disappointing. And then I chimed in, and I said, uh, well, in our podcast, we like to, we have had people on our podcast that don't have the same views as us. Mm-hmm. And guess what? That's called dialogue, right? That's yeah. something right. Dennis talks about is dialogue, which is a good thing. And it's been, it's been a great experience. It's enriched our content. And I said, you know, it's too bad that right now that's not happening too mm-hmm. often. Mm-hmm. And my producer said, well, it was a good response because it was like, you know, uh, chiding him without chiding him, I guess. Mm-hmm. You know, right. it was kind of like uh, rebuking him. But, yeah, basically he just he just wasn't interested. And it was the first time I personally had been canceled. Uh-huh. You know, you hear about canceling happen all the time. and But it's like it's like. Uh, you know, I don't know. It's like getting mugged. You know, you hear about <laughs> it, and but then until it happens, you're right. like, "Wow, th- yeah. this, this is really real. hurts." Yeah, yeah, it really. Yeah, it, it really happened. So, you know, it, it happened, and when I when it happened, I kind of thought to myself, 
you know, it kind of does stink, but at the same time, you know, makes me even prouder to work here, first mm -hmm. of all. And secondly, uh, it's probably a good sign, right? Yeah. When people are that threatened. You know? Yeah, no, I think it's a good sign. I'm, I, I wish he would come on now. Maybe we should try and get him on our podcast. I know. Yeah, and, uh, right. Have him come talk about this. Yeah. Why, why do you think that people like this guy on this other podcast? I don't know the name of the other guy, but regardless, what, why do you think people have this adverse reaction to something like PragerU? You know, that's a good question. I think uh, people want to believe a certain thing about PragerU, and I think that they don't want to engage because it might force them or to, it might challenge them, mm -hmm. force them to think about people that they disagree with. You know, it, it's safer to kind of write them off a certain way and just say, you are this way. I don't want to face it. I don't even want to engage with you. Mm -hmm. And And I think he saw it also as giving me a platform for my views, right. you know, as if... I can control people to immediately believe what I, you know, what I believe yeah. on it. So, I mean, really, it, to me, it's just insecurity. Like, that's yeah. what it kind of seems like to me. I mean, I had people on my podcast where, you know, they say something. I'm like, okay, I don't really agree with that. But, hey, I trust my listeners to sift through what's right or wrong, what they think is right or and wrong. And then you can so. explain it to them. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. exactly. It's like you're going to go there. And even if you challenge his beliefs, you guys are both going to be there to have that dialogue and assert your views. I don't understand why anybody would want to put that away or not have that happen yeah exactly yeah and so and you know i had some uh some good myths to debunk about presidents too but you know right. i guess it's his loss so. yeah, yeah. yeah. No, i mean i would have i didn't know you had a podcast but knowing now i would have loved to have heard that discussion sure yeah. sure yeah well, who who's your favorite president well, I'm I'm really boring with that uh, George Washington. Okay. Uh, when I went that to is pretty boring. So what, it's, it's I know. solid though. It's a good choice. Well, it's a good choice but. I went I went to China when I was it was about like 14 years ago. I had a, a relative who didn't speak a lick of English, and he like was trashing George W. Bush, who was president at the time. Uh -huh. And then out of nowhere, he just goes, "I love George Washington. I wish we had more people that didn't really want power." Uh -huh. You know, and uh -huh. I was like, "Well, that's impressive." You know, right. um, but there are a lot of fascinating underappreciated presidents as well you yeah. know the grover cleveland's of the world those uh -huh. people who get laughed at mm -hmm. calvin um, coolidge calvin coolidge you uh -huh. know I, there are all these random facts about presidents george washington not just found, founder of the country founder of the american mule he actually was the one who popularized breeding them Wow. And, uh, you know, just stuff like that. It's like, that's uh -huh. cool. That you is know? cool. Yeah. That random. sounds way too controversial for you to be on our show, <laughs> yeah. Richard. I know, yeah. I know. What, so, what hybrid animal is Joe Biden going to make? <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> I don't know. Something Ooh, bad. Yeah. <laughs> Very bad. Something sloth-like. Yeah. And, and how much will yeah. he sniff the animal? Yeah. <laughs> no, that's, that's the better question. Yeah, that yeah. is a much better question. <laughs> so, okay, tell us, before we wrap up, what is one presidential fact that's like that you wanted to say you know what or what's something crazy that people can take away Ooh, uh, what's like your best presidential myth bust oh, or something man okay well that's a great question uh i would say uh gerald ford often considered a total bumbling fool mm -hmm. but he was a star quarterback an athlete he even modeled for a time when he was a young person and was on the cover of cosmo at one really? Point. Wow. Yeah. But you know, when you're older and you know you're more boring and conventional, and uh -huh. they they have a few clips of him 
fumbling around and next thing you know the media who hates the republicans anyways was like this guy's an idiot you know yeah. <laughs> and stuff yeah but just random stuff like that uh -huh. um that i yeah i love uh herbert hoover another interesting president saved millions of lives in world war one mm -hmm. all we know about him is the depression mm -hmm. but you know fascinating guy yeah new chinese you know the only president to speak chinese i mean wow. you know people in china think that's awesome uh rutherford hayes won territory for paraguay no one knows anything about Rutherford Hayes here. In Paraguay, there are like statues and like people have Rutherford Hayes icons. Like uh -huh. it's That's he's a big deal uh. there. Yeah. So the way the way people you know the left wants everyone to think Reagan was horrible. You go to Eastern Europe, they worship the guy because yeah. he he fought for their freedom. Yeah, you know? exactly. So misperceptions abound, and it's usually about conservative presidents. Wait, so, so. who's your favorite Democrat president? Democrat or left wing president? Because before you know it was different. But left who would be, wing. Yeah, who would be your favorite Democrat or left wing president? Left wing. My is well, I mean they're not gonna be your favorite right, president ever, right, but I'm saying right. like if you had to say one that's like, okay, this one did a pretty good job. Uh you know I mine is JFK. Okay, of all the modern ones, I would probably say Truman. I mean he he had no college education, proving once again and but he had a ton of common sense. Right. Uh he said he would never hire a man who cheated on his wife because if he breaks his oath to his wife, he'll break his oath to his country. Just good homespun wisdom mm -hmm. there and nice. you know, didn't have the he, you know, he disdained the elite. He didn't like FDR. Uh, mm -hmm. because FDR was uh, a disloyal, like, conniving politician. So I feel like a guy like him is pretty cool, you know? That's good. So, yeah. Wow. Yeah. I'm looking. You name three presidents? I can name three presidents. <laughs> You're so rude. <laughs> That's okay. No, you, no I know okay. you know. Yeah, I know you know presidents a little bit. Oh, but not yeah. like Richard. Not obviously. Richard. I don't think anybody knows presidents like Richard knows presidents. Yeah, that's but very cool. We'll never get to hear him because he works for Prairie So no, we'll bring him back on the show. We'll do a whole trivia day when President's Day rolls back around in yeah. February, right? Yes, yes. Is that the nineteenth, which is legally still called Washington's birthday, but then uh, they moved it to accommodate Lincoln, and then like car salesmen turned it into President's Day. But I like oh, to no. point out that it's Washington's birthday still. <laughs> so because yeah. I refuse I go to go around to car lots and I talk to those guys yeah, yeah. <laughs> like you shut up you know because i refuse to celebrate jimmy carter and woodrow wilson right exactly yeah, come no, on yeah exactly yeah, horrible exactly. guys lyndon johnson give uh, me a break no, you yeah know? we're not celebrating no, no 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 yeah yeah racists yeah. you know but yeah so yeah that's well, i appreciate you coming on man and talking yeah. to us i learned a lot I learned a lot as yeah, well. And I'm sorry that people won't have those type of conversations with you because obviously these are things that need to be talked about. You have opinions about history. And, and if people can't talk fairly about history, then it turns into a 1984. What did they do in 1984? They took all the history books and they rewrote them and changed them so that if, if people don't have a, a concrete, consistent way to look at history, then they can be molded by anything because they don't know how good or how bad the past was. So, I mean, I think yep. the fact that people are coming on and talking about history and discussing it with different ideas is a really important thing. So the fact that people won't do that is disappointing and indicative of the times that we're living in. Absolutely. And history shows that America is an exceptional country. And uh, they're not only are kids not learning history, but if they are, they're learning manipulated Howard Zinn history, which yeah. even academics think is crap. Yeah. So. I mean, listen, he couldn't even get the bombing of Dresden right in, in People's History of America, getting the dates wrong. And you think he's going to mess up something like that. How much exactly. more is messed up in that book? Right. I mean, it's, yeah. So exactly. We appreciate you coming on, Richard. Thank you so much. Where, where can people find your podcast? Oh, uh, thisamericanpresident.com. They can go to iTunes, wherever they listen to their podcast. Just check it out. And don't confuse it with The American President starring Michael Douglas, which okay. is just leftist propaganda movie. But <laughs> okay. uh, This American President. This yeah. American President. Yes, yeah. exactly. <laughs> yeah. 
Oh, appreciate it, Richard. Thank you. Appreciate Thank you. It, Thanks Thank for having you. me. Yeah. yeah, guys, go look into Richard's, podca- Richard's podcast, This American President. Like I said, you can find it on any platform that you listen to podcasts on and, and give it a listen. Now we're going to get into our next story. And this one hit a lot of people really hard. I've been seeing this all over the internet now. Uh, I'll show you the... the uh, headline of the article here this is out of daily mail not a great day for america's service dogs u.s military abandoned dozens of dogs alongside planes chinooks and humvees worth billions in scramble to leave kabul this is the worst news this is the worst news this is horrible this is bad news of course it's bad news it's not the worst news but it's bad news well it's not the worst news because it's not people okay right these are dogs they're not people yes but regardless there's something about dogs like you watch a movie okay you watch a horror movie or any type of movie where there's violence and people die in movies all the time and no one bats an eye a dog dies in a movie everyone loses their mind yeah i don't share the same sentiment uh Mo- okay I'm well i'm speaking on behalf of normal people okay <laughs> this is how most people look okay. at it when a dog dies in a movie or in anything it's incredibly sad so this is this isn't like the most important thing because they're dogs but it is more again indicative of what we are seeing out of the botched rescue of people goods and now animals out of afghanistan that right. it has been totally decimated into something that no longer looks like anything that America should have ever had its hands on because they they did such a bad job. Right. Now we have thousands of Americans left in Afghanistan, thousands of Afghan allies left in Afghanistan, billions, $85 billion worth of American equipment and arms uh, left in Afghanistan, and dozens of dogs now. So uh, this just keeps getting worse, not to mention the 13 uh, American servicemen that were just killed in the explosions at the airport. So uh, this is horrible. Yeah, and look, there's a whole thing on the story. Tyler, let's bring up the story again. And, uh, you know, Kirby from the Pentagon came out and said, you know, these aren't U.S. military dogs, all that. They're trying to cover their tracks. But essentially what these are U.S. combat dogs. They were volunteer dogs, okay? They weren't just, you know, they weren't specifically U.S. military dogs, but these dogs were used in military acts by service members and other people in Afghanistan. So, and Kirby is the one who couldn't even tell you how many people were still left in Afghanistan. And they were like, how many U.S. citizens do they have? Uh, I don't know. But he could tell you how many trans people are in the military, probably. Like, that's what we're working with right now in in our military. It's just the amount of incompetence that we are seeing from American leadership is striking. I mean, it is horrible what we are seeing. And the rest, this isn't just important for America and for people living in America. Of course it is because we have service members dying and, and... and people being still in Afghanistan, they need to get back. But think about it as well on a world stage sense, that we have other countries around the world saying, wow, is America really this force to be reckoned with when they can't even get their own people out of this country? Like, they had time to do it, they had the ability to do it, and they couldn't even do it. Like, how how screwed up is their bureaucracy if they can't do this? And it's not only that. Where is the accountability? Uh, nobody is saying. Nobody is getting on the world stage and saying, "You know what? We we did wrong. This was this was done horribly. We should have not done it this way. We should have not done it at this time. And we should have made sure that people and now animals were safe before we did so." And there's been no repercussions for this whatsoever. And every any time that anybody tries, just goes right over. Just goes right over every single time. So. Uh, this is done. It's over and done. The the horrible things that are going to come out of this are, are going to happen. It's because we've already we've already committed the act. So where is the accountability? Where is the punishment for this? I don't see it. 
There is none. There's never going to be any. There's never any accountability for any of these types of people for doing bad things like this, ever. When is the last time you heard about someone in office or someone in, in a Pentagon position or something like this having to take accountability for their actions? You think anything's going to happen to Millie? No, nothing's going to happen to Millie or any of these other woke generals. Like, that's not going to happen. They're going to be completely fine. And if not, if for some reason that they maybe got suspended from their position, they're going to be kicked out with massive pensions right. and go get a job as some major defense contractor lobbying for the government after this. So it's like it, nothing, <laughs> there is going to be nothing that is going to happen that is going to hold any sort of person accountable. And then looking again at like the botch, like during this time, what was happening? French, German, and UK troops were taking people out while America, while our soldiers were still at the airport trying to get Afghan refugees out and not working about working on American citizens. Like, look how bad this was. Look how terrible it was. It was done in the worst possible way. And I know we're hearing that from everyone. And I, we can, I can at least breathe a sigh of relief that there are people who are on the left who are coming out and saying, yeah, this was pretty bad. I mean, there was a thing in the Wall Street Journal today, and I've seen some stuff in the New York Times and CNN, and even I think there was an MSNBC one. I can't remember exactly. I might don't quote me on that. But in, in all these leftist institutions, and even blue checkmark leftists on Twitter talking about, you know, this was this was done badly. So at least there is a sense of people knowing that we could have done a much better job. Right, and a little bit of honesty from people who supported a certain someone and are now saying that they don't any longer. So right. that's nice to see. I think the shocking one for me was Sam Harris, who came out on Twitter and said, I'm eating my words right now. So it's good to see that people are admitting, hey, I was wrong, and, and this injustice was too much for me to, to turn a blind eye to. Uh, so, yeah, just super sad. Bring I can only imagine. Back. Bring the back. Bring everybody back. Yes. It's just going to get worse from here, unfortunately, but... Hopefully, I'm so uh, something happens. I'm a little pessimistic. Every single day, I mean, it gets got, a little bit worse. We got people like Glenn Beck, who's working to like actually get people out of Afghanistan. Like, yeah, like fundraising and doing things. Like, so it's is OUR, I think. Yeah, so it's it, there is a lot that is being done that is good, but these you would hope that these people wouldn't have to step up to the plate. But again, there's America for you. There's how great this country is. That even when our our own people in government with bloated power screw things up we have people who love this country enough and love the the patriots and people who live in this country enough to and, and who are living overseas that want to actually do something to help people and that's an amazing thing this isn't for political gain or anything like that they just want to help so right. you know you can you can rest somewhat easy knowing that there are still good people left in america very, who, very who want to help now, before we move on to our next story, I'm going to read some Super Chats. Michael Riley, Metal Mike facepalmed so hard, he almost gave himself a bloody nose in reference to our first little TikTok. Yeah, Michael, it's horrible. Uh, Carolyn Coleman says, thank you for keeping me company in quarantine. Anytime, Carolyn. Every single day. You sick, Carolyn? I think I think Carolyn's sick. Oh, uh, Caroline. Caroline, Carolyn, you got the you got the rid? You got the, you got the, the, the Ovid? The Ovid? <laughs> How do you say... Uh, how do you say it in Pig Latin? Do you speak Pig Latin? Uh, it would be Ovid K, right? Ovid K? Yeah. Maybe. I don't know. Yeah. I don't speak Pig Latin. <laughs> I'm not. A child. I think it'd be Ovid K. <laughs> uh, let's say, Ruben Mejia says, "Hi, Amal and Will. I love you guys. I'm from Orlando, Florida. Whoop, whoop. Florida represent. I'll be in Orlando in October. Oh yeah. Mm -hmm. For my book tour. Oh yeah, for the book tour, UCF. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Listening to this misandry is uh, demoralizing to men. We need to teach boys that it is admirable to be chivalrous and to honor women as the weaker vessel. Peter 3, 1. 
Let's see. Cassie Pinnock says, guys, such a good show. I watch it every day on my way home from work, and you guys give good insight into what is going on in the world, which I appreciate. Thank you for the useful content and laughs. Hashtag Will and Amala, five ever, not wow. four ever. How about six ever? <laughs> Yeah, Cassidy. Why wasn't it yeah. six ever, huh? Seriously. <laughs> and Thank then, uh, let's see, a couple more. Michael Riley, PragerU gets a lot of hate because they sell honesty, hard work, and personal responsibility. While the establishment media is selling white privilege, entitlement, and dependence on big government, hard work is hard to sell. Yes, That's that is very true. It's very hard to get people to, to, to work hard and actually take accountability for themselves. Right, very, very hard sell it's on our part. easy to depend on other people. Yes, it is. And last one here is from Gary Van Gordon. He says, you guys are the new generation of great minds and great people. Thank you three for all that you do. Love your podcast and may God protect you all. Thank God you, God bless Gary. you. Thank you, Gary. We appreciate all of your guys' support and all of your super chats. Again, we do this show every single day from 2.30 PST to 3.30 PST. Mm -hmm. So give us a listen if you like what we have to say. Yeah. Or even if you don't. <laughs> even if you don't maybe you want to learn something new or just engage in a different type of discussion that's exactly. what we're all about speaking so. of not liking what somebody has to say we are circling back as a, a certain press secretary would say to a story that we covered uh, about a week ago uh, about jeopardy's mike richards here's the tweet here sony has fired mike richards as the executive producer of jeopardy and wheel of fortune uh michael davies the who wants to be a millionaire executive producer who's Embassy Row Shingle is based at Sony, will take over production duties in the interim. So Mike Richards made some jokes on a podcast a few years back that were considered to be a little offensive and a little crass. And because of that, uh, Mike Richards had to step down from being the host of Jeopardy. But he was going to maintain his role as executive producer, but now he's been fired. So he no longer has that role either. Mm -mm. All for some jokes he made a few years ago. Yeah, I mean, it's stupid. The companies want to act like they really care about all these woke stuff and, and the jokes are so offensive. And it's like you can guarantee that behind closed doors they're making even worse jokes themselves. Right. You know, it's like everyone, their poop don't stink, essentially, is what they think. <laughs> and they want to make it seem like that. But when you have it that way and you make everyone think that everyone's supposed to just be perfect, you have a, a world where all people do is walk on eggshells and, and, and no new ideas are ever discussed. Yeah. Because it's not just offensive jokes that we're trying to protect when it comes to cancel culture. It is different, different ideas. And so if everyone's too worried to offend for fear of being canceled, not just for offensiveness, but also for, you know, new ideas, then everyone's just going to be walking around like the world's out to get them and they're not ever going to say anything great or brilliant or new. Right. Also, do people not grow? It just doesn't make any sense to me. How can you be held to the same standard of the person that you were three, four, five, 10, 15 years ago? It doesn't make any sense. You should look at that and say, okay, well, even if that was offensive, is that the same person now? Probably not. Probably they've grown, especially since his track record since being with Jeopardy has been pristine. I don't understand why this is a problem. And even so, even if he's the same person he was uh, years ago doing this podcast, they're jokes. It's comedy. You can chill out. It's not that big of a deal. <laughs> yeah, learn how to take a joke, okay? <laughs> please. You, please. The amount of jokes that I make on this show. And I mean, off. And off. <laughs> everywhere. I mean, yeah, I... If I worked for Jeopardy, I would get canceled. You'd be fired immediately. So, uh, fired immediately. Effective immediately. Yeah, they could just watch. They could rewind one minute on this show and I'd be canceled. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's how, all it takes. That's all it takes, you know, for someone who's a conservative and, you know, is so 
comedically funny, but you know. Yeah, we're lucky to be uh, where we are, mm-hmm. William. Yes, we are. <laughs> now, before we move on to our last story, and that is breaking news from Project Veritas concerning an Antifa-based teacher, uh, I'm going to get into our five-minute video for this week, and this is a Palestinian explains Hamas. I'll show you guys a little preview, and then we will move on. To my Palestinian brothers and sisters, and to anyone who supports the Palestinian people, I implore you, please do not let Hamas brainwash you into thinking it has achieved anything on our behalf. It hasn't. Not in the Gaza wars of 2021, 2014, 2012, or 2008. Each one of these pointless conflicts has been a catastrophe costing us dearly in lives and treasure. Hamas is not a social justice movement, and it certainly does not care about the Palestinian people. It is a criminal gang that only cares about increasing its own power. Israel is not the main cause of your suffering. Hamas is the main cause. Israel is not your jailer. Hamas is. It was Hamas and that is a little segment of our newest five-minute video, A Palestinian Explains Hamas. This is featuring Bassam Eid. If you haven't heard of him, uh, he is a, a Palestinian who speaks out against not only Hamas, but talks about the ongoing Israeli-Palestinian conflict through his perspective as a Palestinian. He's a very interesting guy. I also did an interview with him that you can check out on Instagram and on YouTube by typing in Omla Benobi, Bassam Eid, and you can check that out. He's an interesting guy. Mm-hmm. Yes, he is, and that's an interesting video. I I implore you all to go check it out. Yeah, there's so many so many fallacies surrounding uh, the story of the Israeli-Palestinian conflict, and it's very interesting to hear from somebody who actually has something to say about it and who has lived through it and is a Palestinian themselves. Now, if you like our five-minute video content, if you like our book club, if you like Will and Amal Alive, if you like anything that we are creating here at PragerU, you get that for free. <laughs> but we function on your donations, and August is our fundraising month. And you can probably guess we're on the last day of this fundraising month. So we need you guys to donate. Yes, it is triple match day. So if you give a dollar, a generous donor will donate $3. That generous donor, is her name is Amala Benobi. So if you give $10,000, she will give $30,000. If you give above $10,000, Will is going to quadruple match it. Uh-huh. And, but Oh, we forgot about Amala quintuple match <laughs> up to a million dollars <laughs> so uh just for legal purposes none of this is true we do have a donor that will triple match your donations uh and it is not will or i no it is not no. <laughs> but we do have a very uh some generous donors who are willing to triple match donations for today it is our last day of august fundraising month so make sure that you go to pregu.com donate or go to instagram click the link in our bio anything like that so that you can get our special link and uh make sure that you donate today it's really important really helps us out so that we can continue making content for you guys. Right. And we make the content because there's so much that we have to battle against in our culture, whether that is Black Lives Matter, the feminist movement, Antifa, and our, our culture is wrought with it. It is everywhere. Now, Project Veritas has been one of the key players in exposing all of this in our culture and in our different institutions. And they've just come out with a breaking news story featuring a Cali High School AP government teacher who admits that he supports Antifa and is totally fine with making students uncomfortable with that support. Let's get into the video. 
180 days to turn them into revolutionaries. How do you do that? How do you get the fuck out of that? Yeah. Sacramento organization that is under the banner of Antifa is, is very loosely organized, right? Um, so, like, yeah, when when there is, like, right-wing rallies and stuff, then we, like, we'll create an opposition to that. Yeah. Beautiful. Where would you go to connect to some of these organizations? Like, no, I, I post a calendar oh, every okay, week. Awesome. And then, so, like, they, it's and I do it for extra credit. So they get points for doing it. Like, and so that encourages them to do it. <laughs> and I've, I've had, like, students show for, like, protests, community events, you know, tabling, food distribution, all sorts of, sorts of things. They, when they go, they take pictures, they write up a reflection. That's their extra credit. Ha! So... Not only is he open about his support of Antifa and showing up to these protests and going against, uh, I guess, right-wingers, as he calls them, he incentivizes his students to do the same. And this is something I've talked about on this program a lot when I uh, worked for the left. What I would do is go to high schools and middle schools and find students who wanted to get involved with protests and activism, and we'd pay them to do that. Now, he's not paying them with money. He's paying them with extra credit, but he's incentivizing kids to do this. Yeah, the extra credit portion is a pretty bad part. When I, I remember when I was in college, when I was in my political science course, this is my sophomore year of college, and there was my teacher said, okay, if you go to a political event and you write a one-page paper on it and you tell about what you learned from the event, then we're going to give you extra credit. And I said, oh, great. And so all these kids were going to like left-wing events and stuff, and then there was eventually a, a Milo Yiannopoulos event at my campus that I actually helped to put on through Turning Point USA back in the day in Boulder. And we put on the event, and then I wrote a one-page paper on it. Uh -huh. And I went to the TA, and I said, hey, I, I went to this event. Like, um, I, would, I would love it, or I would love to get extra credit for it. And she's like, okay. And then she read over it, and she sent me an email. And she said, oh, hey, Will, uh, sorry, we actually can't give you extra credit for this. This is not a, an event that qualifies under our standards of events. Ridiculous. And I was like, what do you mean? She's like, well, this doesn't qualify. This is a hateful event. And it's not an event that qualifies. But there's this Keystone Pipeline event going on, this protest against a Keystone Pipeline event happening, and this other BLM rally. Why don't you go to those and write a paper? I was like, no, screw you. I'm not going to those. That's ridiculous. And I didn't say screw you, but I essentially said like... Of course not. Yeah. I said essentially that. Yeah. I, I essentially didn't essentially say screw yeah, you, but no, I essentially I said, said the same thing. You know, <laughs> and then I failed the class. Oh, it's so ridiculous. <laughs> so. We actually just got a, a very interesting super chat from Elijah Vasquez, uh, who says, I just verified my Prager Force application because of that teacher. I have him in fourth period this year. No way. That's Is wild. That real? I don't Is know that if that's real? real, Elijah. I don't know if you can verify that Elijah, for us. Elijah, send us something on Instagram. Yeah. And uh, maybe we'll get you on the show or something to that talk would about be it. Awesome. If it's real, we have to make sure you're real. But, yes. Um, that would be amazing. Yeah. Come that talk would be to amazing. us about it. That would be crazy. I, and if you just type more in the chat, Elijah, let's hear more. Yeah, if, let us if know. It's real. I'm watching the chat, so. Okay. Um, anyway, regardless, I'm saying that political that teachers will do anything to incentivize their students to go to left wing causes and to not be conservatives. They'll do whatever it takes because they know that the ideas aren't good enough on their own. They know that they can't convince people through logic and reasoning. So they know they have to convince them by giving them chocolate or something like that or money or extra credit, something that is going to entice them to follow these ideas. Right. And it's particularly interesting that this man teaches AP government uh, because obviously if he's an Antifa member, he doesn't care about the government. He would love to burn down that institution. So to have this man in charge of teaching your students about the American government blows my mind. No, it blows mine. <laughs> Let's keep going. <laughs> 
Tifa flag on my on my wall. Um, and a student complained about that, and he said it made him feel uncomfortable. Well, this is meant to make fascists feel uncomfortable, so if you feel uncomfortable, I, I don't really know what to tell you. <laughs> like, maybe you shouldn't be aligning with the, the values that it, this is antithetical. That's wild. That is wild. What an absolute moron <sighs> for saying that. If you had like a, having an Antifa flag on your wall and someone says, oh, I don't really like that because an Antifa member punched my friend in this school or like an Antifa member threw a brick through my dad's business. Or I just don't agree with Antifa, period. And I don't think they're a good organization. You're it's a just, teacher. Right. What are you doing? You're not supposed to put your political affiliation up on the wall like that. I mean, when I went through school all those years ago, <laughs> I mean, I never knew any of my teachers' political affiliations, really. There weren't really any of them that I could say, oh, I know this one, except for one. Actually, I had a teacher, funny story. I had a teacher after I graduated high school, and then I started getting into all this conservative stuff. I had a teacher who was my AP English or AP Lit literature whatever it was mm -hmm. my AP teacher and she wrote a Facebook post about me and it was sharing one of my videos a video I did where I said girls shouldn't be allowed in the Boy Scouts and she shared the video and said I used to have this kid in my class I can't believe him I didn't know that he was such a misogynist racist horrible person uh -huh. this was my teacher hilarious you know? so I guess I know her a political affiliation but you shouldn't know the political affiliation of your teacher it's not their place to say it I you know, agree. they're supposed to teach you an unbiased view of the world Right. And then you make your own decisions. Yeah, but no, this one you get to go and there's a pride flag and an Antifa flag and a Black Lives Matter flag right in the classroom for all to see. That should not be allowed. Should not be allowed in schools whatsoever. Teachers have far too much power with what they can communicate to children. And this is why we should have cameras in, in our schools and in our classrooms. It's ridiculous that people can get away get a, uh, can get away with all of this for so long. Yeah. No, we should definitely have cameras in there. I don't know why people think... They say there's some sort of invasion of privacy. That's a lie that you've been indoctrinated into thinking by teachers' unions by saying, oh, we shouldn't have cameras in our classrooms. You should definitely have cl cameras in your classrooms. So you're leaving these people alone with your children all day to learn nonsense. Right. Why can't you have a – if you took your kid to the DMV, another government institution, you'd hope there'd be cameras in there yeah. in case something – foolish happened some tomfoolery yeah some tom some horseplay some mischievery uh-huh some <laughs> goblin toss <laughs> or gargoyle toss <laughs> they're tossing some rough housing. yeah they're tossing gargoyles in there i'd like to know so there should definitely be cameras in <laughs> for sure let's keep watching too. So the Cultural Revolution in the 60s was fixing the problem that came about after the economic problem. It ultimately failed, right? Um, there was a lot of excesses. People were definitely like... Sorry, I hate to keep pausing. But look, he's got a Mao poster it's on the wall. crazy! Killed 40 million people. I just can't imagine. 40 to 60 million people in China. Is that a swastika in, in the corner there? I can't... I know, that little really green. I don't know. It kind of. I mean, looks I, like, I'm sure he doesn't have a. No, I'm sure he doesn't. But that. what? I don't know what that is. But something. And what? <laughs> There's just a lot going on here. Dude, this guy's a weirdo. Gosh. Okay. I, yeah, we can keep going. Let's keep going. You know, shot in the streets that probably shouldn't have been. Incredibly ugly behavior come out of this city, and you can see a couple of people over there that might be demonstrating that. I have 180 days to turn them into revolutionaries. How do you do that? How do you scare the fuck out of them? Meet Gabriel Geip. 
He's a public school teacher paid for by taxpayer dollars at Intercom High School in Sacramento, California. Guyp, who teaches advanced placement government classes, is not shy about his involvement in Antifa's local chapter. He even has an Antifa flag and a poster of Mao Zedong in his classroom. So, um, you know, it's like, my wife and I have been political organizers. I've been organizing since I was 13. Wow. And, and I've been in a ton of different organizations. Um, and I've, I've, you know, I've been on the front lines and I've taken a step back and gone back and forth. And, and my wife is in the same way. Um, is there a local Antifa or chapter? Yes. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm, the, the Sacramento organization that is under the banner of Antifa is, is very loosely organized, right? Um, and like we, we have no official like member yeah, yeah, list, yeah, right? Yeah. Um, so that like, yeah, when when there is like right wing rallies and stuff, then yeah. we like we'll create an opposition to that. Yeah. Um, so and and Sacramento, uh, you know, as as a city itself is, is incredibly diverse, but um, we're surrounded so by I, a bunch of right wing rednecks. Gosh, but I thought Antifa was just an idea. I didn't yeah, know there was idea. chapters and, and factions and organizations and members. That's really interesting because I was told it was just an idea. I'm just a right-wing redneck, and I'm hoping that Antifa don't come harm me and my business. Hey, what can I tell you? All I do is make sure that my city ain't diverse because I'm a right-wing redneck. Right. I, I hate people of, of Indians. And <laughs> That's what we do as right-wing rednecks that's, all day. That's probably how he views people. It would not surprise me. I, I'm looking at this guy's tattoos. He has a little tattoo here that says 2 plus 2. It probably says like 2 plus 2 equals 5, knowing his <laughs> knowing yeah. his politics. Must, or his understanding of the world. Yeah. yeah, yeah. This is tragic. And to think that your kids are getting this type of education blows my mind. One thing to note. I just want to, going back a little bit, where he goes and talks about the cultural revolution of the 60s, fixing the economic crisis and other things, that's not what it was about, first of all. And then there's like this great myth about the underbelly of America, about the 1950s being such a horrible place for people. And I love the show Mad Men, but you look at a show like Mad Men and other shows that took place around that time where they try and undermine the 1950s and that type of culture in the late 1940s about how it was. I mean... People were happier back then, oh, okay? There absolutely. were things happening that might not have been the best, but the 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 modern left and postmodernism wants to take those strong family values and pervert them and say that there was this great underbelly in the 1950s of, of all these horrible things going on. It's like it really wasn't that horrible. It's a myth created that I'm sure many people believe now, even conservatives believe that like, oh, it really wasn't that great. It was much better than people will say it was, for sure. And so, like, all his stuff about the Cultural Revolution and things, it's just like, it's just wrong. It's just wrong. Gosh. And he's saying this, all this stuff so openly. You know... He's not... Yeah, no shame. No shame whatsoever. And you know, when you're, when you're a teacher in a classroom, normally they do inspections of your classroom, which means that either the vice principal or the principal has gone through his classroom, seen exactly what is on his wall, seen exactly what he's teaching, and just turned a blind eye to it. Does not even care. Because you don't just get to teach these things and decorate your classroom however you want. People check on you. So that means that the administration is also uh, enabling him to do this. Wild. Wild. The other really big organization in our area that uh, if you're looking to get involved is um, NorCal Resist. Uh -huh. 
Um, NorCal Resist does uh, direct outreach um, for like undocumented folks. Um, they help them with like material support as well as legal aid and support with the help of uh, National Lawyers Guild. Um, so they work in tandem with each other. So that's why I do like political efficacy events because I want to get them out in the community. I want to get them familiar with organizations that are doing work, what type of work they're doing, how they can be involved, yeah. where their passion is, and what they can contribute. Because it's yeah. like every single one of us can do something. Yeah. I'm not asking you to all be on the front lines, but I am asking you to be involved. And yeah. it is so much more than just sharing a tweet or posting on Instagram. Guyp seems eager to get his students actively participating at radical activist political events. He takes it one step further by motivating them through extra credit in exchange for their attendance. People that are interested in their flyers or something. Okay, we kind of saw this part at the beginning through the run through. Right. But uh, yeah, well, there's uh, also a video. Where he gets confronted by Project Veritas for a second time. Here's this video. With Guy to ask for comment. Gabriel, hello, how are you? I'm good. I am a journalist with Project Veritas. I don't feel it's comfortable with this. Well, um, I think that there's been a lot of uncomfortability in your classroom. <laughs> and you mentioned to one of our colleagues that you have 180 days to turn students into revolutionaries. A student voiced their uncomfortability in your classroom with the Antifa flag. Do you recall that? Well, this is meant to make fascists feel uncomfortable, so if you feel uncomfortable, I, I don't really know what to tell you. Uh, you tacitly implied they might be aligned with fascists. I mean, is this the kind of behavior in line with the mission statement of your high school? You're Sir, I'm not harassing you. I'm, I'm, you to leave me alone. I'm trying to get comments. You're a public school teacher. I understand that, but you're a public school teacher. Harassing and you're teaching things outside the curriculum of your school. I have some footage that I need to show a member of the school district here. You guys can't be in here recording. You need to leave, please. Wow. Seems like a lot was a lot was achieved there. <laughs> well, it's just that, you know, if you have these ideas and you believe like, oh, the communist stuff and the Antifa stuff that I'm teaching my students is so good, you know, you should defend should, them. You should defend them. Right. You should say, oh, I'm glad to teach my kids this instead of like, oh, I'm going to cower and just walk away. It's such a personality trait. Like, look what he's wearing. Look what he's wearing in this little hammer and sickle. And he was wearing the anti-fascist shirt when he was being uh secretly interviewed it's just oh my gosh this is so fundamental to who this man is as a person that he can't even help uh but to share it with his high school students and to incentivize them doing it it's not just a phase mom it's, it's who i am it's who i am mom. mom i'm a communist mom i got anti-fascist tattooed on my forehead mom it's not going anywhere lbm <laughs> right that's what it is oh no Oh, gosh, this is frustrating. But on a real note, kids are being influenced by people like this. When you are a teacher, you have this sort of unspoken authority. Kids have a trust in you because you are the one standing in front of them saying, I know what is right. I know what is true. And here are the facts. And here is what's honest. And here is what's real. And how how have we allowed a man like this to to be a teacher, especially of AP government in school? And you're paying for it. Your, your tax dollars are paying his salary. Right. You understand that? You are paying someone to tell your kids to be an Antifa. Right. That is wild. 
Abolish the public schools. Your money. Okay, we we completely disagree on that <laughs> statement. Let's not get into that. Do uh, not just, abolish just public saying. schools. Just but saying. your money goes to the government and then funnels down to this man who hates the government, who hates all these institutions, who hates these systems, and would probably love to see them burn down if he could achieve that. So it's just mind boggling. Mm-hmm. But yeah, kudos to James Keefe and Project Veritas for always bringing light to these things because I can imagine how frustrating it is to do this. No, this is this is tomfoolery, mischievery. Mm-hmm. Yeah, shenanigans. No, it's goblin. Gargoyle. <laughs> this is gargoyle toss if I've ever seen it. <laughs> oh, guys, I think that's where we're gonna we're gonna cut it out for today. Before we go, guys, one more thing. So today. There's a link in the description, and Tyler, if you can also put this in there, in about, it's actually in 30 minutes. I'm doing a live Crowdcast event for my book. You can register at the link that Tyler is putting in the comments right now, or if you can see it in the description, which is basically me coming on and talking to you guys, okay? So it's more than just you guys sitting there behind your screen and listening to me. You get to come on to an event, hear me speak, and ask me questions, and you can come up on stage, and, and, and we'll talk. It's all online, but it's like a virtual stage. And you can register at the link that Tyler is posting right now, and that's in the description. That's in 30 minutes. It's at 4 p.m. Pacific, 7 p.m. Eastern. Join it. It's online. And it's uh, going to be a really good time. Talk about my book and everything else going on. So make sure you guys join that if you want to see even more Will Wick content. Why would anybody want to see that, Will? <laughs> wow, Amala. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Because you'll be in the background. I will be in the background making fun of Will mm-hmm. and his answers to questions while mm-hmm. he does it. Mm-hmm. So, also, guys, I'm going to go ahead and mention again, today is the last day of August fundraising month for PragerU. And if you donate to us by going to PragerU.com donate, your donation is going to be tripled by our generous donors. So you are doing three times the amount of good you could be doing by donating today so please go and do that also like subscribe hit the notification bell to be notified every single day when we go live 2 30 pst 5 30 eastern to see our shining faces if you'd like to listen to us you can go to apple podcast google play or spotify and type in will and i'm alive also leave us a five-star review mm-hmm. i'll see you guys in 30 minutes on my crowdcast which you can sign up for in the description or in the the link that tyler posted in the comments Thanks so much for watching, guys. Bye. Peace.